Good afternoon. It is March 7th, 2022. You're listening to a little column A, little column B, hosted by Will Limanos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What is going on, Will? We're podcasting a little bit later. Uh, it's only a couple hours later, but for some reason it feels some sort of uh, special. But I think that just might be because this is our first podcast in March, first of the year. There are already three teams that have punched their ticket to the tourney. There are two more that are going to happen tonight, and there's going to be more and more as the week goes on. Uh, less than a week, we're, we're going to have brackets, brackets to fill out, more basketball to watch, Data, tons of daytime basketball. I, I just, I'm, I'm so excited. How are you feeling? I can't believe it's March already. This is generally, like I said in the previous podcast, our most anticipated kind of time of year podcast between the bet consequences and the recruiting between, you know, fill out your bracket. Anybody's got a chance. You know, let's just give a quick little reminder right now that despite us putting a, you know, maybe you enormous amounts of research and time and effort into filling out these brackets that, you know, you really don't need to do any of that. Anybody could fill it out. It's like scratching a scratch ticket here, right? There's not necessarily a long list of requirements of, you know, kind of work and effort that needs to go into all of this. Anybody can do anything. Anything can happen. And that's why we enjoy this is anything can happen. So I can't believe it's March. I have no anticipation of what could happen. I wish I could provide the listeners with like you know, some sort of guidance of, of suggestions of these teams are good. Stay away from that. This division's bad. But, you know, other than the ACC being a very weaker division, I really have nothing else to provide to the people right now. What, what sort of information can you give them? I can give a couple of uh, little, little nuggets here. So there are two teams that I think have been playing better than their record shows. I think that that's Wisconsin, and I think it's Providence. I think that when you see them on your bracket, those are your your upset cases. I think when they go against better teams, they can kind of get get crazy. But if they they don't, then they uh, they, they they can struggle. They've definitely had uh, kind of that uh, that 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 horseshoe because have been been uh, upright and uh, very much in, in their favor. Um, Another team, not sure if they're going to, uh, to to make it or not, but a, uh, a little upset special is is Rutgers. If you look at Rutgers, they have had some of the best wins and then some of the most inexplicable losses. So to recap, Providence and Wisconsin are going to be overrated, and Rutgers could be your upset special. Well, you're always looking for that nice 12-5 upset. You think Rutgers is going to be more in that kind of ranking range, or you think this is going to be a... A, a deeper dive of a uh, bigger potential upset. I, I think it's going to be right in there. They are part of a, they're, they're, they're part of a power, power five conference. So you really can't get much lower than that. I'm probably thinking they might even be more of a, you know, closer, closer to a 10. Uh, last I saw, they were kind of on that last four in or last four out, depending on whose uh, rankings or bracket bracketology you, uh, you, you follow. So I think maybe they'll have to get a win or two in their uh, in their tournament, but uh, a team to definitely look out for. So we got a lot of conference tournaments going on this week here before the Selection Sunday actually arrives. I feel like this is where you can kind of figure out what teams are really hot right now. They may have not had the most success throughout the year. They may not even be the most talented team of the year. But for some reason... They put together some string of wins, and they end up building this momentum into being some sort of potential threat. Are there any teams right now you're anticipating maybe kind of putting together a good run right now? Like, is there someone, is there any schools we should be looking out for? Hmm. It's it, it's real early on, and most of the conferences that have finished or are close to finishing are definitely not the power five. So any sort of deep run is, uh, it's, it's certainly not impossible. Uh, just, just unlikely, but put, put that to, uh, to the test right there. The, the three teams that, uh, that are in right now, uh, is Longwood. Uh, I believe this might be their, their, their first time. I'm, uh, I'm trying to, trying to find that, but not, not coming up right away. And then the, uh, the next two are going to be a little more familiar to you. Uh, Loyola, Chicago, so Big they uh, they've been in the final four, you know, not too uh, long ago. They have a new coach though, so something to keep in mind. They have a very young coach. Uh, seems to be not a uh, ton of drop off there. And then the third one is uh, Murray State. So oh, yeah. uh, John Morant's uh, alma mater. So I I'll be honest with you, I have not watched a lot of Murray State this year. They uh, they have been, and they uh, actually not just have been. 
they are currently ranked in the in the AP top twenty-five. I uh, do. Number nineteen today, thirty and two. So I, I definitely could see uh, a whole bunch of people. You you might unfortunately have to be a contrarian because I think a lot of at least NBA fans are going to look and go, Murray State, isn't that where John Morant went? Oh yeah, for sure they're winning the first round. Yeah, I remember when we saw Murray State in person years ago. I don't think John Morant even was going by the name John Morant. I, I don't think he was even on the radar quite like he is yeah. now. I don't think anyone anticipated that happening. So when you kind of get forewarned about certain teams like that, uh, I mean, this is a little bit more of a you know consistency within the school right now. But I think there's <laughs> there is going to be an outlier out there. There is going to be somebody who you, whose name you do not know, and you will learn. Like you did, like you learned who John Morant was, and if you don't know who he is now, I highly suggest you go look up his highlights. He is by far one of the most entertaining players in the NBA at this point. But uh, we saw him in March Madness. We saw him in the first round. We saw uh, a couple players that are actually very NBA relevant right now, and it's it's funny just to see where it all ends up. And that's the exciting part about March is you really don't know who's going to pop and who's going to come alive and who's going to suddenly come on your radar. Somebody's name that you're you're never going to forget anymore. Like I don't think I could. Like, I'm not going to forget who John Morant is anymore. I've seen enough highlights at this point where I think this is going to be a guy whose name we're going to be talking about on this podcast for the next, you know, 15, 20 years maybe. So that all can happen this 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 next coming month right now in March Madness where there may be a guy or a player or a team or something else that uh, you never really thought you'd, you'd learn or be educated on and be get familiar with. It's it's exciting time of year. Now, with all that being said, there may be some players that you may never see again as well as some coaches you might not ever see again. And we're going to kind of transition into a little bit more Coach K talk right now, where he is, I suppose, celebrated his last home game uh, being the Duke Blue Devils head coach for basketball, for men's basketball. And in an emotional night, a North Carolina rival game that uh, unfortunately doesn't play out the way that they anticipated. But I think at the end of it all, it is still the day of, I still think it's a day of celebration, man. The guys, guys and people and human beings and anybody in any sort of career rarely have the careers lasting in the same place or are able to, you know, extend it out as long as he has, let alone the same position at the same school in the same area. That is very, very challenging to do. And I kind of applaud the consistency of somebody like that as well as the success rate of somebody like that. I mean, what did you really take away from Coach K's last game here? Well, uh, UNC definitely came in and uh, threw a whole uh, turd into the t- into the punch bowl, and that was uh, that was not fun. Uh, I went into it; we were a uh, an eleven point favorite. We've been looking pretty good this year, and UNC has definitely uh, struggled. Knew that they were definitely going to come uh, come to play, and uh, there was definitely a uh, a lot of emotion right right from the start. And we kind of kind of fell behind, and uh, you know, just it, it was definitely not 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 the best game. Uh, I, I really thought all week was like, there's just no way, there's no way that we're going to lose this game. Uh, I think this is a little bit of the being a, being a Patriots fan for the you know past uh, 20 years, where it's just like the the fairy book, the you know fairy fairy tale ending. Just it always happens. It always happens for me. You know, <laughs> Tom Brady. It doesn't matter how much time's left. He's gonna get the ball. We're gonna win. Like it does. You know, we're we're down. Uh, you know, to Atlanta, it's just, oh, well, it's just a matter of when this is going to happen, not if, oh, you want to go into overtime? Okay, we'll take it into overtime. So really thought that uh, we're going to win. It was really cool. They had, uh, I, I believe the final count was 90 former players in the building uh, and probably would have even been been more. But, of course, there is a bunch of uh, Duke players that are, you know, active players. I heard uh, Jason Tatum in the post game yesterday talk about how he would have liked to be there because there was an early game. He, he wasn't able to make it. Uh, did you watch the uh, the ceremony afterwards? I, I saw the highlights of it. I, I wasn't able to catch the game live. I did have a an eye on the score. I, I was a little shocked on the outcome of it. I Like you said, I just would have thought there's no way we're sending him out on a loss. But then it also kind of came down to the amount of emotions and players and the, the, the ceremony of itself really boiled down to the, this isn't even a basketball game. Like I know there's a game happening on here. But there's a guy that's just been part of a whole lot of lives that's no longer going to be part of everyone's life going on right now. And that that really felt like it it kind of took center floor of the game was almost on the back burner of not being as important, which is kind of crazy because 
we play to win the game, but I feel like there's ever there's always these moments in life where suddenly something else becomes more important, and it all comes into a perspective of an angle of it all. I mean, I, we're we we've been following Coach K for pretty much our entire lives. There there isn't a point where I can remember a different Duke basketball head coach like that's that's a staple that 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 goes hand in hand with it all. So to kind of take it all in. I, you know, one factor that you mentioned, all the players that had showed up, the former guys and all that, I feel like that would have felt like a more relevant and kind of a rare opportunity of seeing all these guys in the same room if we hadn't just had the NBA All-Star where they do the top 75, where there are certainly a lot of guys that are even in, in this crew of Duke alumni, you know, invited to that event and seeing all of those guys in that person, which is amazing to see the top 75 players that are still alive over the last 75 years, you know, be in the same room. This had a similar similar feel to me. It just wasn't that level. I mean, it's a certainly successful basketball program. I mean, he's a beyond successful coach. If anything, you could see how hard it is to win multiple NCAA championships, and I could say a whole lot of nice things about all of this. And, you know, we can talk about the Olympics and just kind of his the way people talk about him, both, both current players and post players. I mean, the, the amount of respect goes full full circle for coach k i don't think there's ever going to be anyone quite like that i mean do you think there's going to be anyone that coaches quite as long as these sort of era guys i mean you know roy williams kind of walks away i'm assuming Bayheim is going to walk away at some point do you think there are current guys that are going to survive this sort of career lanes because the new thing just seems like you just jump ship to the next newest thing it it's it's going to be uh awfully Awfully difficult. I mean, just to read off some of his uh, some of his accolades, it just just the the longevity alone, and you can't coach this long without having a, a ton of success. But he he took the uh, the Duke basketball job in 1980. So you're kind of saying like, oh, I can't really remember. Almost the same way you go like, oh, I can't remember like the you know before the the, the Patriots were 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 good. It's like okay, so that was pretty close. So you know when you were starting to get into sports, but it's like 1980. That's you know. Over te- it's a decade before you're even born that he took the job, so, uh, yeah, just just a ton of uh, you know five national championships, twelve Final Four appearances. Uh, you could easily go like the the, the list goes on and on. He uh, th- th- there's not a lot of other guys in his category, even uh, across all of sports, let alone just 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 college basketball. Uh, like I said, the. The ceremony after the loss uh, definitely kind of subdued it a little bit, but I, I agree with you that it, it it was it was more than 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 just a game. Where afterwards there was like a little bit of a pause. He came out. He kind of talked about how that you know that that what happened what was unacceptable. Then there was kind of a little more of a, a pause. But I think he kind of had to say something because it's just a little, little odd to uh, you know go right from. Hey, we lost this game that you guys were all here for, and now let's just talk about all of my success. But uh, once once it kind of settled down, I mean, his whole family was out there. Uh, you know, there's a whole whole group of them. Uh, the 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 team, the, the current team, stayed on the on the floor, you know, by the bench to to watch. And just it, it, he he did a really good job. Everyone involved did a really good job. I've been seeing a lot of uh, people joking. Uh, you know. Duke is not a uh, not a fan favorite, so if they lose, especially in this fashion, it uh, makes a lot of people happy. But I think that's just a lot of what 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 sports is is about. So I know if it if it had been UNC, if it was last year, if it was Roy Williams and it was his final game, and we could have gone in there and been the spoiler with the year we were struggling last year. Uh, I would have I would have been you know having having some glee. So I, uh, I I I. I'm trying to be the bigger man and go go past it because I know I know what I would be like in that situation if it was reversed. I I was a lot more emotional of the night than I anticipated, just because, like I said, this is this is a staple. This has been a common fact that I've known throughout my life that this is the coach of of Duke. Duke is a good basketball program. They're a team that is highly competitive and highly hated. They're scrutinized and the drama and the the, the history of all of this. This is a very very relevant team throughout any basketball fan's life and to see it all kind of shift like this is it's very aging if I'm being honest this is this has made me feel a lot older and I know how old he is and how old he's done this and it certainly supersides a, even my lifetime I mean you talk about the 80s that's that's 10 years before we're even alive let alone thinking about basketball I mean that is 
it's just a very, very impressive thing, and I, I think you should show the respect where it's due. Now, despite the re- the result of this and the, the kind of the the ending feeling of it all, this is a team that is going to qualify for the tournament. They they do still have a chance, you know. I I am certainly not going to be betting on this team of, of advancing very far into the the tournament. But you know what? Anything has happened. We had just talked about how anything can happen in this tournament. You know, do you do you think Coach K's got some magic left in him where they can maybe pull something else off here? I know that's what you're hoping for, but can you convince me of why you think it might happen? I've uh, I've I've been trying to talk talk myself into it, especially yesterday. You know, waking up where it's like really didn't expect a uh, a loss. Thought it might be a close game for sure, but didn't expect that there to be a loss. So I've tried to uh, you know you you talk yourself uh, into into not not exactly excuses but hey you know what we were already the regular season acc champion this game for standings really didn't mean anything we're still the number one seed in the acc tournament starting this week and you know it's zero zero right now zero zero season going to the acc tournament you know we the the team had three goals this year one goal was to win the regular season one was to win the acc tournament one was to win the national championship so one goal is down, you know, would have liked to do it a little bit differently. It, it, it it's, it's a funny team. And I think you see this a lot with, with, with college where some days it, they got it all, all together. And it's like, we have all the pieces we could make a deep run. And then other days you like Saturday, it's just, Oh yeah, that's right. These guys are 18 and 19 years old. And sometimes it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for you. So I'm behind them. We got multiple, uh, lottery picks for sure, multiple first round picks, and just right there that should put you uh, ahead of a lot of other teams. We have Coach K that we were just you know just talking about, so the combination can't count us out. Uh, I definitely don't feel as confident about the team as I did about the uh, the the 2019 team or the 2015 team, but the 2019 team didn't even make the Final Four, so you know you're never really sure. You know even when you have Zion, you know who, who knows what's going to happen. Part of me still thinks. That almost losing that game is is almost motivating to like I can't believe we blew this. We we have this opportunity where we get to continue to play games. Let's not do that again because that just felt wrong to send Coach K out on this. Like, what if there's this suddenly this magic of motivation of like, well, we can't send him out like that. We just can't. We can't allow this to happen. So I, I just wonder if there's just enough care and and reason for a more deserving coach to go out on some victories right now, if they can suddenly just pull together. Weirder things have happened. I'm not anticipating this happening. I I have spoken very highly of how the ACC is not as strong as they have historically been throughout this tournament, but crazier things have happened, and I do think that there's something to be said about having a coach with as much experience as Coach K. So maybe, maybe this all ends up coming out full circle and working out for them. I certainly will be betting on it, but I won't be shocked if it does because you know what? This guy's really good at his job, and that's the reason we're talking about it. That's the reason this was a big deal that he's walking away from this is that this is a guy that was able to maintain a career at a high success rate at a place that's super, super competitive. And and he's produced a, a number of talent talented players that are all throughout the NBA. I mean, is, is there anything else you kind of want to talk about throughout college basketball now? Otherwise, I'm going to start talking about some of these alumni guys that I'm watching in the NBA having these career nights. Uh, just uh, the, the the last thing is uh, Duke season the past two years derailed by by COVID, and so just the way we were able to bounce back this year to more I'm gonna say what like a like a normal year for for Duke is it's just it's it's nice uh, just kind of putting COVID in the in the rear view. Uh, I'm lucky this year that the uh, ACC tournament is in in Brooklyn, so I'm going to be going to the uh, going to the, the the game on 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 Thursday. So you know, get the opportunity. It's not too far away. It's mu- definitely much closer than uh, any anything in North Carolina. When I uh, when I told my boss, he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, do you mind if I get the day off? I'm looking to see Coach K one last time." <laughs> there, there was a a pregnant pause. He's like, "You got tickets to that game?" And it's like, "No, no." Not not his last game at Cameron, just probably the last time that I'll be able to uh, to, to to see him. Were you able to see the the highest ticket price of that game? Do you, do you have the number? Uh, I don't have what the what the highest was. I, I know uh, I, I got was the number. Eye on the, the lowest. I got the number. The highest price for Coach K's last game at home 
was $79,988. It was the highest ticket price. Oof. I don't even know where that sits. I don't even know where that sits you, but for me, if I was spending that sort of form of money, I I would own Coach K would be serving me coffee. Like this would be, <laughs> this would come with a hell of a lot more than just being able to watch this. Right? This would have been like I got to sit down and have a, a chat with him for that sort of price range of of that. But you know what? Like I said, this is a guy that's been doing this forever. I I don't anticipate him actually coming back, continuing, or doing anything else again. It feels like he's done this as long as he can. And that he's actually going to be done, and that we're we're not going to see him a whole lot again. I don't think we're going to see him doing media announcements on the side. I don't think you're going to see him broadcasting anything. I don't think you're going to be able to get an interview with him. I truthfully believe that once he walks away, he's going to walk away for good, and he's going to be at peace with it and try and enjoy his family, his life, or whatever other things are important to him. It's just going to be weird because I know this has been a top priority for him for his entire life, and that that's not going to be a priority anymore. So it'll be interesting to see what this all turns into. So I, I can see justifying the price a little bit here. Uh, now, you spoke about some players that were unable to attend the play uh, the, the last game here. Jason Tatum was recently named uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, averaging 41.3 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, and five assists per game as well as a 3-0 week for the Boston Celtics, who are among the hottest team in the NBA. I could say a whole lot of highly nice things about them. We're, I don't know if it's your birthday or what, but we're going to open with Coach K and some Celtics talk right now. This is certainly... <laughs> not the, we, not, we didn't open with it, but you talk about it. You said you were much nicer than, than I thought you were going to be. I Look, you know what? How many championships does Coach K have? Five. Five, right? And, it you know, he coached since the 80s right now, so it seems like... That's not a lot of championships. But then when I look at some of the other coaches that we give these accolades to, like we talk about Jim Beheim. I'm a huge fan of Beheim. How many championships does he have? One. He has one. And I feel like we put him in the same breath as these guys as if he's, it's really hard to get one. I think that's what we're boiling it down to is that it's really hard to just get one. And he's got five. All right. That, that, like, that's all. You got to go. You got to go on at least a, uh, a six game winning streak in March, man. It's hard. It's not easy. Anything can happen. That's why we like the tournament. That's the unpredictable part of it. But it's really hard to do it more than once, let alone five times. So, like, it's it's hard for me to really pick on him for all that. Now, certain players that have left there and the style of play that they continue to you know represent is is certainly not something of my appetite for basketball. But you know what? Coaching wise, there's nobody more respected than Coach K. There's there's nobody that I think that knows basketball as well as Coach K. Like he's certainly qualified. To, to deserve the accolades that he's receiving right now and the appreciation that I'm willing to give him. He's more than earned which, it. Which 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 player's style don't you appreciate? I mean, you want, like, the most recent example? I mean, Grayson Allen is certainly not somebody I'm a, a huge fan of. I mean, look, guy's competitive and all that, but there's different ways of being competitive without being, like, straight up just without being an asshole, man. Like, I, that's one thing that I miss about the Euro style of basketball is the way it was officiated of, Look, I don't like what you did. It's a flagrant. And he's like, well, what did he do? He's like, I don't know. I just didn't like what you did. It's a flagrant. <laughs> you know, I, I like that ruling where it's more of a common sense thing where I feel like certain players are looking to thread the needle on a line that just shouldn't be even in question. You know, they're like, oh, what, what's the most I can get away with? It's like, well, why don't you just try playing the right way and stop worrying about what you get away with and let the refs decide what you can and can't get away with? You know, just just play right. good defense. That's That's more of my beef with some of the players there as well as, you know, some of the guys I think ended up in more successful careers than I think their talent related to. I know that seems backwards of like, how could you be a bad player and be successful? It's like, well, I do think there are some bad Duke players that have gained more success than they've actually deserved. But you know, that's, that's just an opinion. I'm entitled to it. doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't take anything away from coach K and the work that he's put in, which is, all I'm trying to say is some nice things about him right now, right? Don't, don't, don't even get me started with some of the players, right? I'm willing to applaud some attention right now to Jason Tatum, who is just the player of the week right now, who just lit up the Brooklyn Nets going against Kevin Durant, who, honestly, I thought he would look a little rusty, but I, I thought KD looked pretty sharp, and I thought Tatum looked even sharper. And I could tell you so many infinite nice things about Tatum at this point. I thought the decision-making was great. The extra passing was great. I love that he's attacking and going to the free throw line. He, he's really, really being aggressive. He's not settling for step back jumpers. He's not taking shots early in the shot clock. Every one of our possessions looked flawless, as well as 
defensively, I, I mean, this is where Tatum, I don't think, gets the nearly enough credit for it all, but the defensive cohesion and chemistry of the Boston Celtics is something that needs to be bargained with and something that needs to truly be recognized because I think I think this is a championship potential team now with this defense. And I'm that is some high, high talk, especially how I have refused to even watch a Celtics game up to this point. This has been a season where I have told you numerous times, don't tell me anything, don't tell me to turn the game on, this team is just going to let me down. But, man, I have seen enough games strung together right now where I am buying in. I am all in on all this. What, what surprises you the most about this this outcome? Or is this kind of what we were hoping for the whole time? I mean, it's always, it's always what you hope for, especially just the beginning of the year where it's just like you're looking at it, It's like we have two young wings that are, like, coming into their prime. we got uh, a cast around them. Like, this is supposed to work. Like this is when you're when you start thinking if you could like draw up a team without getting specifically on like this player and this player. It's like oh like the, the wings that's what you really need, uh you know a rim runner you know to help uh, help defend and you know just just some of the other things. But it's like the the two young wings like that that's where it starts. It's like we have that we have guys that can score they can play defense. Uh they seem to be uh, generally fun to fun to play with and it's just like this is just not working. We are blowing so many games. Like we we anytime we had a lead it wasn't a uh, if we if we blow this lead, it was when we would blow this lead. And yesterday, watching that fourth quarter, the uh, the 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 Nets just didn't go away. Like we had to be the ones to say we're closing out this game. We're not going to just fall apart like we were doing earlier in the year. And I don't know if somehow like luck has shifted or if it's more that we're maturing. And I really hope that it's the uh, the latter because I can easily see. Early on, there was some we've we've had some success, and when you have older guys, you know you can just be the one that just like, hey, I, I'll put some points. But then when it gets to the fourth quarter, okay, veterans come in. But now it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are more the veterans. They're the ones that got to get this done. You know, along with Marcus Smart, of we got to be doing the correct thing. We got to be making the right play, right pass, the right shot, not settling and forcing it, forcing the other team to beat you rather than beating yourself. And you mentioned. Uh, we uh, on a uh, three game three game win streak, for sure. Both uh, or excuse me, all three were at home, but uh, the Hawks are a, l- a little bit less. But Hawks are not like bottom of the barrel. Grizzlies are were, were real hot. I was really surprised that we took it to them, and then the uh, then the Nets. Who the Nets are on a four game losing streak, but they just got Durant back, and we were playing in Boston, so it was against Kyrie too. So when we played them, uh, was it two weeks ago, and we oh just jumped all over them and beat them by, uh, you know, almost, I guess it was 20, 20. I think we were up by 30 at some point during the game. That one was more of, okay, we're playing the the, the second unit, you know, whatever. But yesterday, uh, it, sh- it sure doesn't look right now that Simmons is a for sure he's going to play. So I think this may might be the next team that, that, you know, we, you know, we beat. So I, I was, I was happy. It's, it's way more fun to, uh, to be winning than, than to lose. Uh, we're, Moving up the, the the rankings, there's only 16 games left. Uh, four and a half is is a lot to make it up, but if we could just even move up a couple more, so we uh, you know have some have some home games, I think that would go a long way. Well, I think our biggest frustration with the Celtics team, and I think one of the reasons they've starting to kind of gain this confidence of just being actually really effective and aggressive against you know highly competitive teams is. Let's let's start comparing resumes across these teams right now. Like, you know, Tatum and Brown certainly haven't had the most successful, but they haven't had the most failures either, man. How many conference finals have we been to? We've been to four out of five years. That's that's pretty good. That's really good. There, there's teams that don't even get there once. They've been there four times. And I think those are, at some points, you have to start comparing resumes. And I look at teams like Philly. I look at teams like Brooklyn right now where they just have new acquisitions of guys. They haven't played together. There isn't chemistry there. This is the same Celtics team that have been that has been together now for a while. We've even brought back Artillery Al, Al Horford, who looks as sharp as ever on defense. My God, I can't believe we ever let this guy go. I, I really wonder now what it would have looked like if we had just sucked it up and paid him the first time. Because I, I really think he's the glue on defensive. I'm watching him switch on to Kyrie. I'm watching him master the help defense on everything. Everybody seems to be on a string on defense, and it is really magnificent to watch everybody work together and I think he's just at the core of it all of just you know being the glue guy of, of defensively keeping everybody in line and intact of it all 
But, you know, we talk about the chemistry of this team being together now for a couple times and having some success of getting to those conference finals. And I look at the teams like the Brooklyn Nets in, in Philly right now where they don't have that chemistry. I, I thought it was really interesting watching Boston double team certain guys. And you know what? Good players will bring on a, a double team. They will welcome it because it's an opportunity for someone else to be open. All right. There's two guys on me. That means somebody has one and a half guy, or half a guy on them or no guys on them. So it's an opportunity to kind of get somebody an open shot that you wouldn't have been able to do before. I watched Brooklyn make all these right plays, but I wasn't sure if some of those guys that weren't being doubled or that were open really capitalized off all, all of this. And I think that takes some time to kind of learn and, and get used to of, of what sort of shots are available. Like Seth Curry at some point is going to become brutal when they figure it out of like, all right, they're going to double team me. Well, we're going to have Curry in the corner and you're going to have to live with that open shot. That is going to be lethal once they figure that out. But for the meantime right now, I don't know if they have the time to figure that out. They need somebody off ball that can actually be a threat, as well as I thought Boston looked massively bigger defensively. Like, how much taller are all these guys? we got Robert Williams, uh, Al Horford. Tatum is a, is a big guy. They, we just have bigger bodies, and I'm looking at Brooklyn. Like, how are they ever going to address any of this? Like, we kind of bully-balled them a little bit this past week. So I... I just think there's a lot of things to be excited about for the Celtics as well as I think the time frame of it all and having this resume of history is going to be our true advantage right now. Like this is the same team we've had forever while all these other teams are going to try and figure it all out. I th I think the biggest thing that the tables have turned on all this is and you could admit to this is that teams were not scared of to play the Celtics coming into this year. They felt this is the no. same team and we can just do what we've done in the past years to kind of get around them and get by them. Sure, they can have the success. They can even make it to the conference finals. But they're not getting no, they're getting to the finals. They're not an actual championship contender. And I feel like that table has turned just in the past couple of weeks right now. Like, what what do you think really made that happen? Like, why are we suddenly no longer – we're suddenly feared in some degree now versus I don't think we were considered any to be feared at all previous to all of this. Well, I, th I think it's our our defense. We, it was something we, we we struggled with, and you you were mentioning Al Horford, and I don't know if it's the the, the team has just kind of figured it out, or it, I I can't imagine it's just better effort. That just seems too simple of an answer. But you know, we were you know, we loosened up, I think, a little bit recently. But like on that winning streak, we were locking teams down. I think it found out, like, hey, you're gonna go play against Boston. You are not gonna have a fun night. <laughs> it's not gonna be easy to score. And I think when, when when you bring that, now it just opens up all sorts of other opportunities. If you're getting deflections, it leads to easy, easy points. And just when you're getting easy points, you know, you get a little more of a lead, you get a little more of a cushion, and just everything works works in your favor. Now, do you think Brooklyn is gonna have enough time to figure this all out? Because I look at their the deficiencies they've had in this past game, and I think the Celtics game is a good Good evidence of all this. I talked about how they're going to be double teams and they're going to need somebody that can cut off ball and actually be a threat near the rim. And I think Ben Simmons can fill that. And I talked about how they have some defensive deficiencies where I don't think they really have an answer for Tatum. And I don't think they have good help defense where they have a big guy to meet him at the rim. So your best bet is maybe putting a guy like Ben Simmons on him who's really good at a one-on-one -on -one defender. I don't know if this is all just a plug and play and suddenly this all works. But in theory, I could see that working. I just don't know if they have enough time to truthfully do that, as well as if Kyrie and Durant are really going to welcome that sort of thing. Like I, I know that they they think they can kind of do it all on their, on, their, on their own, and I think LeBron's going through a similar situation in L.A. where it's like, I don't care who you put around me. I'm this good. As long as these guys know how to play basketball around me, it should all end up working out. It should all one plus one should equal two. It should still work. Do you think they have enough time to kind of make this work, though, and, and to get Ben Simmons in there? I mean, is he even going to play? I mean, how long are we going to wait for this? He's got back soreness and nothing to do with anything else that has happened with him this year. If this could be just a, uh, you know, a guy that's been healthy all year, as soon as you hear back soreness in a basketball player, that never seems to really end well. And it's not something that, oh, yeah, well, he had some back soreness, but now, now he's great. It's yeah, he's got back soreness, and he's going to give it a go tonight, and we'll, we'll see what happens. And like I said, there are 16 games left. There's no talk of him. Say, there's any no, oh, like, well, maybe this week. So i got to imagine he's still a couple weeks away. 
And at what point do you just decide, well, we're not going to bring him back in the playoffs. It's just, he, he, he's just done for the year. It's, it's concerning. I, it's like there were, if cons- the season ended right now, if the season ended right now, they would be playing on the road in a playing game. Which isn't fun for all these teams that have busted their ass all year that are trying to get that rewarding, you know, one, two, three top seeds. And the, and in both divisions here, you may be rewarded by playing the Brooklyn Nets or potentially the Lakers with Anthony Davis coming back. I, I it's wild how the outcome of all of all of this is like cool. Congratulations, you dominated the whole league. You may play one of the most talented teams as a result in the first round. I mean, sure, you'll have home court advantage, but I still think it's a head scratching scenario for all these teams where I don't really know where you want to be. I feel like you're almost better off being in the middle of the pack where you can kind of control your your 4-3 or 5-4 kind of situation. But I don't I don't know. I don't really know how it all plays out. I I just I haven't seen him play and it's really hard to assume all of this too and, the, and a lot's happened since then. I don't know if he's improved on anything, is he working on anything? Are we getting the exact same guy? Is he is he progressed? Has he degressed? Like I I have I don't even know. I have no idea of his athletic abilities at this point. It's a huge assumption, and I think the more they assume all of this, and I think the less time they have to work on this, it's just more concerning, and the more of the reality of it just not actually working out. It doesn't mean it's not going to work out next year. I just wonder, it, it just seems like it shouldn't be this, you shouldn't be able to win a championship by making a trade this late, adding a guy this late that's going to be this critical to your offense and your team, and actually having success for it. I can't think of any team that has made a trade this late and has struggled this much in the regular season and just suddenly been able to put it all together. Like, if Brooklyn wins this whole thing as, like, a seven seed, like, that's going to be a miracle, right? Like, I still think we're going to be shocked by that, even though going into the year we, we might have highlighted them as a potential favorite. Like, that's going to be crazy, right, if they end up winning as a seven, six seed? Oh, for sure, but I think you could easily talk yourself into it on Kyrie's only been playing half the games, Durant's been hurt for a while, uh... Harden was hurt, and now Simmons is hasn't played yet. So it's kind of the well, all the pieces are together, and I think that's what the Nets might be uh, arguing going into next year is, well, you know, if we had all our pieces, we would have been it would have been totally different. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about today, and I didn't really give you a whole lot of prep for all this, so maybe we'll have to follow up a little bit more on it next week. But I, I think it's interesting how current NBA teams are being built and developed, and some of the success of. You know, different strategies. I look at a team like Denver right now where, you know, Nikola Jokic is, is a, for sure an MVP candidate. He's won before. I think he's more than qualified to maybe win again. The other night he's got 46, 12, and 11, you know, in an overtime win. He's, he's doing everything he can. And I look at the guys that, like, are around him. You know, they're not the most talented guys, but, you know, they're, they're solid athletes. They're, they're all you know, somewhat proven players. They maybe not be all-stars or even considered on the radar of, of you know, common knowledge, but you know, guys like Austin Rivers, you know, uh, Gordon's pretty solid, you know, Will Barton's solid. You know, they just traded for Bryn Forbes. But you know what? These aren't, these aren't stars by any means. And, I, and I'm watching Jokic in the style of play of Denver where it's all team guys. They're all, you know, trade assets that were acquired of all this. They're all like drafted guys that are then developed like Jokic and staying within the team. And, you know, th- it wasn't, we're going to trade half our team for one player, which I see the strategy going against other teams like Brooklyn and the Lakers right now who are currently struggling. And I, I see the success of teams like Denver who stayed strong with Jokic and Milwaukee who stayed strong with guys like Giannis and did their best to kind of hold on to these guys. And I, I just, I don't know what this current strategy of the most effective way to win a championship is. I think the opportunity is of making these trades, you know, grants you, isn't always worth it. I mean, the Lakers right now, I'm sure they they are happy to get the championship with Anthony Davis. But if AD doesn't come back this year, and they end up mailing in another LeBron year, I, I just wonder, do you regret maybe making that trade at some point? And I wonder if there's going to be some sort of strategy change across the NBA where the shortcut trading for everybody becomes less and less popular or at least less appealing. Do you think there's any chance of that ever actually happening? You know, Boston's I, another example of uh, we we built up the team. Also, you know, we didn't trade anybody. It's a homegrown. But that takes that 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 takes time, and a lot of times you have to bottom out at least uh at least to some degree. And we definitely lucked out that we made the trade with Brooklyn, and then or I don't know if it's Brooklyn or New Jersey at the time. It was just Brooklyn. Uh, that they their owner kind of midway through changed his mind on what he wanted. 
and <laughs> turned them into a terrible team. So we got excellent draft picks. It easily could have worked out where we don't and we get middle of the road draft picks and we're more of a middle of the road struggling team. Cause we didn't get a uh, Tatum, you know, we were able to take advantage in, in that draft. Uh, I think what you're talking talking about it sounds super nice just like oh well, well don't trade for the big guy just you know just draft the big guy and you know just then, then you have him and just hold on to him uh, Giannis, you know is one of your examples he got drafted in the teens and it turns out he's a superstar so one you don't have to pay him as much as you would have if he had been a uh, a top five pick so you save some there and you're able to you know build build some guys around him and he's just he, he's a he's an absolute uh you know unicorn that there's just not there's not another Giannis and there's not even a lot of guys even in that realm. So to just say, ah, well, you know, just, just get some homegrown talent. I, I mean, look at, look at the Kings. That's what the Kings have been trying to do is, you know, grow some, some, some talent. And it, 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 you have to be a good organization for it to work. You have to have good player development and there's different ways of doing it. You know, you mentioned the Lakers, the Lakers had success uh, that, you know, that same year, the, uh, the, the heat, I'd say a good chunk of their team was uh, maybe not a good chunk, but like they, they brought in, you know, traded for Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. They traded for, uh, for um, Lowry this year. So everyone I think has a lot, has a healthy respect for the Miami heat and they're uh, number one in the, in the East right now. And not from just homegrown talent. I think the idea is you have to just, you, you don't just go with, this is the strategy we're going to do blindly. It's like, you have to look at, how your players develop, what goes on, and just kind of like any game, you have to make moves throughout, not this is our strategy, this is the only thing we're doing. Look, I, I agree that you kind of got to know what's on the market and what's best available and what's best for your team at the time being, but I do think the talent across the league, especially this year, is really good. And I think that's almost encouraging you to the point where all the new guys coming in might be really good and that you might just be able to replace guys. Like I, I think the NFL has quickly figured all of this out, especially at the, the running back position. I mean, we bring up this example all the time of the length of these careers are really short in football. And it's like, why are we offering big contracts for all that? I can just draft any running back and be just as satisfied with all this. Or I can just sign any running back. I don't need to draft a running back ever. And I just wonder if we're going to get to a point in the NBA where the up the incoming talent is so good or at least so much more mature than it once was and getting so many more opportunities than they ever had, whether it's at the college level, the G League level, or you know European professional. All of those levels have has improved to the point where I think the talent coming in is really good. And, and it's just making a highly more competitive league right now where I don't know if you need to have as many old guys as you once did. I'm sure the value of it all is still going to come through. I mean, the championships can't be won without the experience of it. And I think it's a huge, you know, a huge advantage. But there's a lot of talent in the NBA right now. And I think there's a lot of young talent in the NBA right now. So I, I don't know if I would necessarily be as fearful of rebuilding all that. Now, that being said, I look at teams like, you know, OKC, who's got the treasure chest of picks and all that. You know, they got the experimental Giddy. They got some, uh, you know, Shea Gilders, Alexander. They, they've made some moves, but... It's not really coming together, but I look at a team like New Orleans right now who is kind of making some moves and it is is really hot right now, or even the Hornets right now who did make some moves and has paid some guys, and you know they, they look pretty good right now. I, I think I like the position that those those teams are in, and I think they're going to have a decent shot at you know maybe making a step this year. Who knows? Anything can kind of happen in those scenarios because I don't know how much talent is really on on those teams. I don't know if all those guys have had the chance to – really prove themselves in a playoff scenario. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that kind of plays out as well as, hey, man, your guy, he's been cleared to play, right? We, we could talk some Zion now. I mean, what's going on over well, there? Uh, not, not quite cleared to play, but cleared for basketball activity. So it's at least a step in the right direction. And, you know, if he, if he, even just being with the team, it's got to be got to be helpful for, for him and the rest of the team. It, it's like it's exciting that we may get him – back and not only back in the NBA but possibly back in the playoff mix because CJ McCollum is man he's a competitor I, I don't know why I'm not really shocked by all of this I think we saw us in Portland the guy's got heart he's gonna give an effort out there and that that team that team's got some magic on him right now man I don't know 
what sort of dominance they have left in them. But you know, they're they're winning games. They're keeping it alive. And I I think when you got that guy in your your back rear view mirror of you know potential safety safety net coming back here, that that could really screw up some 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 of these playoff matchups. I mean, I'm looking at all these teams fighting for the one seed. Uh, they may be rewarded with facing Zion in the first round. I don't know how much a reward that is, but I wouldn't want it. <laughs> it like it's going to be a good NBA season. I, I'm I'm more than excited for kind of these outcomes of this. It's I'm so ecstatic that the Celtics are finally fun to watch again and actually competitive. And there, there's infinite reasons. To, well, well, look at look at that. It was not that long ago, you know, two two months ago, maybe a tad bit more. That I think the popular NBA consensus consensus was that the Celtics had to trade Tatum or Brown, and it was most likely going to be Brown. And think how awful that would be if we if we had done that. I mean, for sure, depending on what we had gotten back, what picks. But I think that trading him for in you know picks and smart for Beal, I, I think that puts us in a worse situation than what we have now. And sometimes I think. That's part of being the the GM is not listening to all the outside noise, not listening to the people that don't have the job. And sometimes you got to be rewarded, not just for the moves you make, but the moves that you didn't make, you know, in some sort of panic move. I, I think the Lakers are a perfect example of that, of the moves they did make and the players they traded for them. And you look at the players now, they're all kind of having, you know, somewhat successful careers everywhere. I think Ingram has improved. I think guys like Kyle Kuzma have improved. I think guys like Josh Hart, they miss. I think they miss Alonzo Ball. That would be a, a decent fit over there. I think even guys as simple as uh, Caruso uh, with, the, with Chicago, who's also injured right now, is, is just a nice role player who who's fills a spot that I think is harder to fill these days. It seems like somebody should be easy to draft, but I think it's hard to find guys that are willing to accept those roles. I think a lot of young guys come in, like I said, they, they're a lot more talented than they used to be, and they think, well, I'm going to develop to being the number one guy because I think I'm the number one guy. I, I I just think they they let too many of the role players go and they they, they brought in too many old guys. That Bartley, Barkley made a great point about how I'm sure the Lakers can have a quarter or two where they look unstoppable. They look like a championship contender. But these old guys, they're not playing 48 minutes. They're lucky they're going to be playing 38 minutes a, a, a night. You know, you're going to get spaced out. You're going to need longer lineups and deeper rosters because of that. And that's going to turn into an outcome of are the old guys going to turn it on today or are the young guys going to finally show up? And the games like Malik Monk shows up, they are for sure more of a threat of all that. But, you know, I haven't seen him do that consistently, let alone have I seen them even give him the opportunity to do that. I think it's finally, you know, coming through where it's like, all right, we're going to play Carmelo a little less and maybe play some of these young guys a little bit more and see what we got here. And I, it, it's it's very fascinating what's, what's going across the league here. But, you know, if I was a betting man, I think you need to have some combination of the both. But I think the experience of somebody like the Celtics is is going to turn into an advantage. I think experience like somebody like the Suns and the Bucks, who have just recently done it this past year, is going to turn out to be beneficial. And I don't know if these teams that have no time to build any chemistry or have no history of playing together are really going to be able to do it. And, and I, I wonder how that's all going to play out. I mean, I could look like a fool tomorrow, especially betting on a Celtics team that I was, wasn't even willing to watch a month ago. Wasn't even willing to watch, talk about, or even give you the time of day. It was I, not fun. It really wasn't. And then we talk about all the reasons that they are successful and a lot of the frustrations of why I didn't want to watch them. It was like, well, I don't understand why this isn't working. Because like, this should work. There's no reason why this shouldn't work. Like We should be a better defensive team. We should have more offensive threats. We should have teams should be fearful of us because we have two of the best, youngest players in the NBA. We have two players that every team in the NBA would want on their team. I don't understand why it's not leading to W's, and it finally is. So I'm I'm, I'm happy for all that. But if, uh, if I was a betting man, I think it's going to be one of these experienced teams that it's going to win. I don't think it's going to be one of these newly constructed teams, and I don't think it's going to be a team that really hasn't played together a whole lot this year. So I, I, I even worry about a team like the Warriors, where Draymond has been out for a while now. Clay isn't exactly quite himself, and, you know, this anticipation of Wiseman coming back and all of that, it's like, okay, cool. These are all like incoming things, but they haven't, they haven't arrived yet. So like, how am I supposed to bet on this? You know, how am I supposed to rely on all that? Like it hasn't happened yet. It all makes sense. And I'm just happy that the Celtics have finally arrived and that it all finally makes sense again, the way it should be. And I don't need to wait for it anymore because I think other teams are waiting for it. And I don't know if they have time for it all to actually come, come actually happen. So that that's, uh, that's kind of my my NBA ten bit here, but 
We got about 10 minutes left in the podcast. The, the, speaking of betting, we do have some uh, weird NFL news, breaking news just today, of which Calvin Ridley, a, a fantasy player that has been on my team and uh, certainly relevant within the Atlanta Falcons roster over there. They haven't had a successful year in some time, but I think we know who he is. I recall earlier in the year him taking some uh, some mental health time off, right? Like th- that was why he was not playing, right? He was he had chosen on his own time to not show up to prepare himself for better mental health. These are all the excuses that I was told. Now that all might still be true, but coming out today we find out that now he is suspended for the entire next year for gambling on football. I, I a minimum. A minimum. I, I don't know what sort of Pete Rose things to awaken of all this. I, I feel like we just time traveled back in time where it's like what betting on this? I thought we I thought Pete Rose was the example that we had made that where nobody was ever gonna do this again. Because even to this day, it doesn't seem worth it. I think Pete Rose was a fantastic baseball player who's constantly scrutinized for this one thing. And and that's that should make you go crazy as a player that you should never want to be represented by such a an avoidable mistake here. You should want to be recognized for your talent and how good you actually were. And I, I do think he's a qualified player, but I don't think he's ever going to outlive this. I mean, Pete Rose was a way better player than Calvin Ridley, and he still hasn't lived it down. So, like, what what is sort of the outcome of all this? Are, are you thinking like this seems like his career's pretty much done, right? Like, is he actually going to bounce back from this? It's going to be real tough with the uh, the mental health issues this year. Uh, it's kind of similar to the, the the Ben Simmons saga that we all hear mental health issues and we all go okay, all right. But there's also the like you mentioned, like fantasy. It's like if you draft your fantasy team or you're an Atlanta Falcons fan. It's well, I I totally get if you're having having some issues, but if if you if you're not playing, like you're you're you, you're not you're not helping helping the team whether you know it's mental health or whether it's a you know ankle issue you know something physical it's still just a well why would you want this guy if you get somebody else that you know is going to to, to be able to play and then on top of it now it finds out you've been you've been gambling on on games you brought up Pete Rose he's definitely the the most famous uh, uh, example of this but it's like what are you thinking. This has to be day one sort of things about, hey, you know, this is uh, this is where the bathroom is. This is where the team uh, locker room is. You know, you can't gamble on your team or on any NFL games. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's let's move on. Like, I, I, I he, I'm just wondering what he was thinking because it wasn't even a. Someone saw him in the, you know, the sports book and you know, it led to, you know, an investigation. He did it on his phone, like basically a paper trail. Like, I'm not suggesting you do criminal things that you don't think them through. I mean, ideally you just don't do criminal things. Well, it's not, it's not criminal. It's, it's just against his, his workplace. Look, it's a, look, if you're a sports athlete, I don't care what level of sports you are. If you're, you can, you don't bet on this stuff. There's plenty of things in the world to bet on. You don't bet on that. It, there's a reason for it. I, I think if we, we, I don't. I shouldn't have to explain this to you. The, the consequences of this, the morality of it, as well as the advantage that you're really not actually ever going to gain out of it all. All right. We all think betting is easy, and I'm sure some people are able to do it on a professional term at all. But it, it's really is gambling at the end of the day. And anybody who's on the inside or is a player, a coach, or was involved in the organization, you don't get to do any of this. All right. We're we're trying to make these games fair. We want justified wins. We want justified championships. And the only way we can get that is by following through on this rule. The year suspension, I think, is more than fair. I think it'll sabotage his career. I don't think there's anything we can hope for after all this. I don't know that for sure, but you know, he has an opportunity to appeal. Perhaps there's more of a story behind this. Perhaps it's not as serious as it can be, but it just seems like something that We've been down this story before. I don't expect any other outcome. I don't expect anyone to justify it. Like, who's the person arguing and saying, well, it's really not that big of a deal? Because I, I think it is a huge deal. I, I think the integrity of the league is just inexcusable. You can't have that happening. You can't have refs doing it. You can't have players doing it. You can't have anybody within the organization doing it. It's just we. You, there's, no, there's nothing gained from it. And I'm sorry if you don't want to be a player or don't want to be a fan then don't be a player. Don't be that. Go become a fan. Go retire. 
Go go do you don't you don't get to do both. I, I'm sorry I can't excuse this for, for any reason. There's nothing I can justify it with. Do you have anything? Like I, I can't What if he uh you know he 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 wasn't playing in the game. What if he was gambling on the, the Falcons, not against them? Look, it, it's Does better. That anything for you? It's better, but it's still not okay. You're still getting you're getting paid to play for this team and help them win. You don't get to make more money on the side and in in coincide with well, it. How, but 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 why not? In the in the UFC, it's pretty frequent. Well, UFC UFC has a different uh, mentality of income. I mean, I think that the the entire income of of that is gambling. I don't know if the entire income of the NFL is gambling. I'm sure a good portion of it is. But it's it's well, a different. More recently, once it's become uh, you know more legal and mainstream, mainstream because you know the NFL uh, shied away from it basically until pretty pretty recently. Uh, you know any gambling at all, and now they've they've opened up to it because it's just prints its own money. So I, I I can see why they want to do it. Look, you can't have fan bases have anything in the back of their mind that something has been tweaked or somebody has some money on some sort of way. You can't have it. You gotta have the the freedom to think that anything can happen in any game, and that nobody is leaning in any sort of direction. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a good way to have a league. I don't think that's a good way to have fan bases. I don't think that's a good way to encourage more people to care what, about a game. What were you? What are you concerned is is going to happen if he he's not playing? He's betting on he bet like a a, a couple of a couple of parlays, so. Like you're thinking that he would call up like somebody on the other team and say like, "Hey, take a dive for this." Is is that like the 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 idea? I I don't know what he's capable of. I just don't want anything to be capable of happening. I just want these guys to go out and play the game because that's what we're watching them to do. We don't want them to have to worry about anything else. I want them to worry about that. And I know that, that some things, like you said, they can overlap and they can be on the same team and the same side, rooting for the same thing, and that there shouldn't be any problem with it all. But I, I don't trust that they're always going to be in that scenario. You know, if we okay that one thing, it's like we're cracking the door open for something that we can just avoid right now by giving the result that we had right here of a yearly suspension and just reiterate, like, I, I, maybe this just needs to be happening all over again. Maybe we need another Pete Rose right now. We need to remind people, like, like I said about the Pete Rose thing right now, it's it's really terrible how Pete Rose is remembered strictly for that. And I, I, I recognize they made an example out of him for that, and Baseball Hall of Fame is... One of one. I mean, we could pick our beef with all of that. Of a bunch of old guys need to get over some some of this stuff, and maybe they do. But at the end of the day, Pete Rose was a really, really good baseball player, and I don't think we're talking about Pete Rose as a good baseball player ever. I think the second we say his name, we think of that one terrible thing he did and that he shouldn't have done, and that everyone has immediately agreed to to even this day that he shouldn't have done that. It wasn't the right thing to do. And I, I think that's just the way it needs to be. So we need to make another example out of this and remind everyone that you don't want to be remembered as a good player anymore. You want to be remembered as the silly gambler that could have done the same thing that me and you were doing. Some nobodies that have a podcast once a week. That You want to be one of those guys? That's fine. But at the end of the day, you are a one-of-one one talent that was able to get into the NFL, that was able to not only make a team, but be good on a team and be a good player and get drafted on fantasy teams and be relevant. And you've kind of thrown it all away because you wanted to be a fan like like Joe Schmo and I, like Zach and I on this podcast. It's just not that's not something you get to do. You can't have it both what ways. What about uh what about players that play fantasy football? Like it's it's a little bit better of being okay with it because I could see that just being an actual for fun thing, but I know it's all for money at the end of the day. That's all it is. You're gambling for money. You want to make more money. You know, I, I saw a couple memes today talking about it. It was like, you know, Calvin Ridley uh, looked at his contract. And he was like, you know, what's more than one million dollars? Two million dollars. And it was like, oh. Well, if if you look look in the article and, and you take this with a grain of salt, because this is what uh, Ridley came out and said. He said that it was. I look for the exact quote. Uh, it said something like, "It was only fifteen hundred dollars." Like, I don't have a gambling problem. So. That's what he said. So, like I said, take it with a grain of salt. Maybe it wasn't, but that seems like a very small amount of money and not something that is ruining the integrity of the league, a league that uh, recently, uh, you know, just settled because of uh, issues with uh, the tests that were given to uh, African-Americans for concussion tests. It's like it's not like the, the NFL is like this pure organization that has never done anything wrong, and we really have to protect it from 
everyone. No, but for me to care about it and to value it the way I do right now, I don't want that. This is devaluing it for me. This is making me care less about it. This is making me feel like this is a lot more. I got to ask a lot more questions that I don't want to be asking right now. Do I? Can I trust this? Does this seem fine? Is this line okay? Or is this line being moved because somebody who has a lot of money is being able to shift it? Because that's the one thing these guys will have well, the opportunity to do. That's already happening. I know, but these guys aren't supposed to be the ones doing it, all right? Well, he's not doing it with $1,500. All right, so that's one example of it. you got to worry but about I'm... The, uh, the, the sharps that are, that are moving the line on you. Okay, not, well, not so, so where do you want to draw the line? What, what's, the, what's the right amount of money then? Because this is where the conversation is going to change right now, where it's like, well, I have access to this many, much amount of money. Why should it matter? What's $1,500 versus $15,000? What's the difference to these guys? It might not be a difference. I don't think you should be able to bet against your team, but if you want to bet on your team, go for it. I, look, I could be convinced that. I just think it's way safer and way cleaner if we just say, you don't get to do this. You get to play a professional sport. There's a numerous amounts of advantages that come with this. This is one that you don't get. I don't see why that's a problem. I mean, I would I would think, like, why did you just, just, just gamble on college college football anything there's, there's, other, there's other other sports sports to gamble on but also it's just like hey he's a regular person just like like us you look know, i, I look at gamble go for I, it i've recently been watching the the jordan documentary over again it, it's it's insanely addicting watching these highlights and i i really love the way the documentary shot the music and it's awesome there's just a lot of reasons i like but they talk about jordan's gambling and all this and how he kind of used it more as a distraction and it was all mostly personal on how he always bet on himself. I think that was the big golf gambling thing where he has all these huge debts and all that owed to all these people. But it's him, the player. Allegedly. 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 I don't want to get sued by Michael Jordan. Alleged debts. <laughs> Alleged debts. It, there's no debts owed now, all right? And as well as Jordan was good for it, and I'm sure there's some, you know, some mental side that says, okay, this is okay because he makes this much amount of money, blah, 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 all, all that. Like, it's fine. He Calvin could have done all of that. He could he could bet you know infinite amounts of dollars on his own golf game. He could bet infinite amounts of dollars on his own card game. He could do that. I don't have a problem with that. That's that's fine. But betting on these games where they could potentially have any access to any more outcome than than the normal person, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right, and I don't think that's something we want to even combat thinking about. It's just. I don't want to watch a game wondering about how many guys have had money on their own team or how many money are potentially having money against their team. I, I just think that you're opening the door for some really scary things to happen. And I, I feels like gambling has become a lot more universal across the, the world, let alone this country and state by state as it gets legalized. I just don't think this is a Pandora's box that we should be welcoming to open right now. Like, are we going to be looking back... 10 years from now being like, wow, I can't believe we suspended Calvin Ridley. Like now we just allow everyone to do it. I like, guess, is, is that how we're going to look at this? Cause I, I don't it's, see that happening. It's possible. Man. Possible. Like, like I said, the UFC, it's not unusual to find out a guy bet, you know, hundred thousand dollars on himself you know, as, a, as the underdog. And it's like, you're betting on yourself. Like here's what you're going to get paid. And if you're looking to gamble that to try to, uh, you know, increase it by a multiplier of whatever, of whatever it is, Go for it. I don't, I, like I said, as long as you're not betting uh, against yourself where you can control the outcome, then uh, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't bother you that much, especially for this this low of a factor. He, he's not even playing. It wasn't even like he was in the game. Like, he, he was away from the game. You're saying he doesn't get that. He doesn't get to do what regular people like you and I get to do because he's an NFL player. Well, pretty much right then, he wasn't an NFL player. All right. Well, that's fine then. All right. We'll have to draw the line somewhere. Look, I don't really have an argument against it. I just don't want it to be happening because I just think it opens drama. I mean, sure, it goes right this time. But don't tell me. It's, it wouldn't even be hard to think of a scenario where this could go wrong. It, it wouldn't even be challenging. Or I don't. I imagine there's even guys that are doing this right now. That they're doing it smartly enough to put it under someone else's name. Or just you know hedging it into someone else. Like I, I'm sure that is still happening. But at least there's some effort and some risk of you know inquiring another third party to kind of do it all for you. When you do it all on yourself, like he's doing right now, it just seems very bold. Yeah, it just seems uh, like an unnecessary risk. And I guess that's more of my problem. Is look, if you want to do all this, you want to do it all on your own. There's a smart way to do it, and this just didn't seem like the, the smart way to do it. So that's fine. Uh, but speaking of the smart way to do things. March Madness, Selection Sunday is this Sunday. 
we've had a smart way of coming up with our bet consequences over the past couple of years. I think we just did the wheel last year, maybe a year before. But the wheel will be back. If you have any suggestions of bet consequences you'd like to see happen to Zach or I, or if you haven't seen any of the past ones, make sure you go check that out on YouTube or on our Facebook page, Little of Column A, Little of Column B Podcast. Uh, we're on Facebook, Spotify, all that. But if you want to see some of the videos of the past bets, yeah, just look it up on YouTube. and you, You'll see a high heel race. You'll see some... Uh, some Jackie Moon stuff, uh, handing out corn dogs, all, all sorts of silly things on there. But the wheel is coming back. We we are slowly eliminating some ideas here, and we'll hopefully have an announcement of uh, what's going to officially be on it. And well, I imagine we'll officially spin this thing on the next podcast as well. Uh, anything we, else? We, we can definitely we can definitely do that. Yeah, that's what we did last year. Was uh, I believe we had four items on the uh, on the wheel, and then each uh, e- each week. Leading up to the uh, to the championship, we uh, actually might have been we did it the week before because I think before we were doing the podcast on Tuesdays, so kind of kind of up to us on, on how we want to do it this year. Either way, if you got an idea, you got to get it to us as soon as possible. You can reach out to us on the Facebook page, Little of Column A, Little of Column B, or you can reach Zach on his Twitter, which is Wicked Z Man Twenty Four, and let us know what you think is a fair consequence for Zach to do this year because uh, I am not going to be losing this contest anymore. I, I made a big decision last year that I just wasn't going to do that anymore. So, like, uh, you got an idea, let us know, and we'll be happy to advertise and share you with what the results are going to be as an ongoing basis here. But uh, get those ideas in now because we're running out of time as well as, you know, start, uh, start thinking of your bracket names right now because that's also coming up around the corner where we're going to be having uh, sign-ups and all that this Sunday. It's already here. I can't even believe it. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I don't know who's going to win, but I'm not going to lose. <laughs> Anything else you want to add for the people out there? Definitely keep an eye out for the for the sign up. Like Will said, that'll be coming out coming out real soon. Sign up. Tell your friends to sign up. Get them to listen to the podcast. If uh, you know, we can get this uh, more popular, be able to do uh, probably other bets and other uh, other other giveaways. Uh, last year, we gave away a, a, a T-shirt and gave away a hundred-dollar Amazon gift card, and it was just a uh, a, a guy that had uh, found it through um, somebody. Well, one of the basketball guys that I follow had had retweeted my tweet. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he became a listener. But uh, if not, you know, just just a little little bonus for him. But. Yeah, the more people that, uh, that that listen, the the bigger the prize can get, and that's good for everybody. You got nothing to lose. You can only win. Only something to gain. We'll be back next week. Well, little column A, little column B.